I swear. Wrestling Podcast. And hello there, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy Crawford, as always, joined by Andy Boy Simmons. Hello. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm better this week, thank you. I've um, thank God. It I, was, uh, I, I, I'm not going to say I was worried about you. I wasn't worried about you. It was, uh, but I did tell you last week, didn't I, that you looked and sounded like death. Hmm. You didn't believe me. You're like, oh, I'm recovering now. Oh. Yeah, I feel a lot better now. I've managed to pass it on to my two children and my wife. And what what did you say uh, uh, when I said to you you should probably feel guilty? What was your response to that? I said I, I was glad just to see the back of it. Yeah, Maybe. that's exactly <laughs> what you said. Not my problem anymore. So, so, I don't know, can you catch the same cold twice? I don't know. No. Virus? No, do you sort of build up an immunity maybe? So, you catch it once, but there's so many different strains of the cold virus. Yeah. So, that's why uh, the flu virus, um, the flu jab, what they do is they pick the most common strain of the flu. So, uh, so let me dispel some myths about the flu jab. Okay. So, many people believe that the flu jab will just stop you getting the, the flu full stop. But there's but every year there's you know several different types of the flu and one's more dominant than most strains of the flu, and uh, what they do is they use some scientific equation or maths or you know or it probably involves some maths and science yeah or they just flip a coin and uh, or they just shut their eyes and run their finger around the dartboard and they that one but they decide what the most common type of flu is going to be and that's what the vaccine is against okay so that's why you may hear of many people who get given the flu virus who still wind up catch get given the flu jab that still wind up catching the flu um and uh in more uh similar to that um horses have a their version of a the flu virus uh, the flu jab as well do they really and uh Ooh. this year's one didn't work so i don't know if you remember or i don't know if you watch anything other than 1990s wwf but on the news um Recently, a lot of the horse racing was shut down for like a week. Okay, yeah, yeah, I did hear about that. that. Yeah, I do, yeah. So that happened, and that happened because of an f- outbreak of a flu virus. Equine flu. Yeah, um, and the the but the the way they, I guess a, a stronger strain of a flu um, that hadn't been vaccinated against was what spread. All right. So well, thank you, doctor. There you go. Yeah. No problem. Um, <laughs> I got offered the flu jab. I went to see my GP a couple of weeks ago, and I said no, thank you. And then I think within two days, so we recorded last Tuesday. I so don't think you had the flu. Well, no, no, I don't think I had the flu, but my wife thought I might have had the flu. Cause yeah, I but she's a panicker, isn't she? Yeah. So I, because I had the flu, you remember I had the flu, it was on death's door. Mm, I was right for you to have the flu, but no, not no, for me. Mine was actually diagnosed as the flu though, wasn't it? Uh, okay. So By your wife? No, by the hospital, QA, Queen Alexandra Hospital in Portsmouth. Which I was at Friday night. For my daughter, who wasn't very well. Not for you, though, so don't... <laughs> but but uh, your wife doesn't give QA a very good recommendation. I got I give it glowing reviews, the paediatric so, department. Um, so and and guess how much it cost me at QA? How much? Free. I know. It was the all NHS, free. Isn't it marvellous? It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it funny how people complain about the v- NHS? Oh. You, you hear it all the time. Yeah. Um, like, oh, went to 
went to uh, accidental emergency because I was drunk and cut myself. Yeah, yeah. Had to wait in had to wait in the waiting room for three hours to then get stitched up by a world class medical professional who's mm-hmm. hooked it up for free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, actually, I lied. It did cost me about thirty quid. Uh, car parking. Car parking. Paninis, crisps, well, that's drinks. Paninis yeah. and crisps. I was there ten hours, but I was happily there for ten hours. I was just like, this is. Such an amazing service, and yeah, it was. We've mm, seen NHS. Mm. Hi, love you. God bless the NHS. Yeah. So how is uh, how's Poppy now? She's a lot better. So today is probably the first day she's kind of almost about ninety percent. She had a bit of a viral infection, so oh, which could have been passed on from her dad. <laughs> Quite that possibly, could be what yeah. was wrong with you, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. A viral infection. Yeah, yeah. And then Finley uh, woke up this morning coughing. So we're thinking, oh, so has he caught it as well? It. Yeah, you spread it And around. Lindsay's had it in the meantime. Yep, you spread yeah. it around the Simmons I kind of feel like we need to quarantine people one at a time because otherwise it's going to go around in circles. Um, Is it going to keep jumping from person to person? No, it won't because we've just established you can't have the sa- It won't go around in circles because... Hopefully this is the end of it. You can't, yeah. you can't catch the same strand of it twice, but... Um, but what you can do is stay away from people when you're ill. Like you, like I said to you last week, you should have done the podcast at home. Yeah. You should have done it over the Skype or whatever. Okay. Well, you didn't catch you anything. To, well, I don't know. I might have done. Mm. You so, fought it about, fought it off. Yeah. It's all the bananas I've been eating. It could be. Yeah. Oh. I just had one. It was very nice. And also, Rocky had uh, the dog had some teeth out yesterday. So really? How was that for him? Well, it was all right for him. I nearly fell over when they gave me the bill. But yeah. How much? Well, so I thought it was just going to be a teeth clean. Okay, like they have to give him general anaesthetic and did I want to give him, did I want to pay the extra 50 quid for blood tests to make sure he's okay? I was like, well, I can't say no. So fine. I go to pick him up. Right, unfortunately, we've had to remove some teeth. We thought it would be just a clean. I was like, okay. Had some teeth removed, bless him. And I went to reception to pay my bill and it was £309. And then I'm just about to pay that bill. And then the lady at reception said, oh, no, wait, something else has just come in. £359, because I, I spent another £50 on some... Uh, I, was, I don't mind doing it. Uh, £359 uh, for pain relief for him, which obviously I'm happy to do. Uh, but you look at it like, oh, £359. Is that covered on the uh, insurance? No, they, do, they don't cover teeth. Oh, really? Yeah. Depends what insurer you're with, though, doesn't it? Well, you're going to sit there and go, well, mine. You're like, no, you're, you're like Mark Sloan. You are like, oh, no, I've got the best of everything. So you're about to go, well, my insurance does. You, I'd be surprised if your insurance... I don't know if it does. I don't I'd know. be surprised if it does. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not starting an argument with you, so put mm. your fists down. <laughs> I've do, like, I don't know. Um, and I, sure, why not? Yeah. To clean um, your dog's... So my my so what the vet said the problem was Rocky doesn't have a great interest in chews, you know like obviously chewy sticks yeah. like dentist sticks and stuff. Well, we yeah. buy them. There's hundreds around the house, but like he he'll eat it for a minute oh, and then Simba will have to come around and hoover up. He oh, he love them, would he? Yeah, he can. Yeah. I'll bring them all in. Yeah, you know, so Simba gets one every day now, a dentist yeah. stick, about half of one. So okay, here's a little bit of advice for you dog owners sitting at home mm-hmm. if you've got small dogs. Yeah. Okay, so the dentist sticks. The uh, I don't know which ones they are. I can picture the boxes. I was about to say head. Kellogg's, but it's not Kellogg's, is it? No. Pedigree Chub. It may be Pedigree Chub, but yellow box anyway. Yeah. But like um, dentist so they sticks, do dentist yeah. sticks for like um, for, and they come by size of the dog. Yes. Right. Um, so medium and small dogs have smaller dentist sticks than large dogs. Right. The number of dentist sticks you get in the pack is identical, and the price is exactly the same. Oh, so okay. we get a large. So Simba gets a large box of dentist sticks for large yep. for a large breed, and we just cut them in cut half. Cut it in half. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but well, shrewd of you. But Simba's now. Uh, <laughs> Simba's now. Um, I just thought of a joke, but I can't tell because it's 2019. 19, yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, Simba now every morning he expects his denty stick now. Oh, does he? So yeah. like he he'll come down like he goes for his morning wee, mm-hmm. comes back in, sits by the cupboard, looks up at it, and starts barking. Wants it. And that lasts him a day or? No, seconds. Oh, okay, just like devours it's a chewy. It. It's, yeah. a chewy it's not a, uh, you know, it's not one of those bones that you come back to because he used to eat the bones. But last time he ate the bones, um, it, he started being sick. Okay. Um, and there was bits of the bone in his sick. Um, it kind of flaked off, so I don't trust those bones anymore. Yeah, yeah, don't need that. Okay. So. Yeah, All right, but Bob, that everyone else okay? Yeah, everyone's good. Yeah. Okay. Calvin's had a runny nose, but he's okay. Has he not viral infection? I hope. Yeah. I hope not. Otherwise no. You never know. We'll have to have words. <coughs> yeah, so, uh, all right, cool. Should we talk about some wrestling? Yeah, well, you haven't asked me what I got up to this weekend. I'm trying to think what you did this weekend. Was oh, we had the cockpit, didn't we? Sunday, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like every week we're at a show now, aren't we? Busier schedule. Mm. 2019, big time for Revolution Pro Wrestling. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Big I enjoyed things. It. Big things. No, I'll tell you what I enjoyed. James Mason against Curtis Chapman. I I enjoyed it so much I even did a tweet about it. I saw, yeah. Yeah. I saw you. Couldn't give it a like though, breaking, could you? Breaking. We were talking about this about someone we know who, who when I put my nice picture up in the Tokyo Dome, there's one person who didn't give it a like. I don't really like stuff. So and here's that a That is you, isn't it? Yeah, that wasn't you, down. by the way. But you that you is need uh, to calm down because like if you look at um so No, but I, I kind of feel you're one of these like yeah. Yeah, no, because you're just insecure. Like you just you constantly think the worst. Like, how would you even like look at it and be like, okay, let's see if Andy's liked it specifically. No, but you just list it. You get to the list, don't you? Why you know? do you look through? Whatever. Well, no, I don't. No, I don't like. So I'll put a tweet up, and in an hour's time, I'll come back to it and go. Oh, I wonder if that's got any traction. So, um, you sit there, and you get really angry at people. You're like, for breaking kayfabe, wrestlers being mates afterwards, right? Yeah. And then you start posting love messages to Curtis Chapman on your Twitter. Yeah, but th- I'm still proud of him as his coach. I think that's okay. Okay, whatever. Just saying. Yeah, I didn't go. Oh, we Pre-cham made. practice. I didn't. I didn't write. Me and Curtis Chapman made magic tonight in the squared circle. Let's do it again sometime, brother. I'll get a grip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Just said he did well. Good. Yeah, and didn't he do well? Uh, yeah, he did do well. I thought it was a very good show. Mm. Um, I like I so yeah. I really loved the show, apart from when the ring broke. That really upset me a lot. Okay. Um, see, I forgot that even happened. Yeah. Yeah. You've got that ability just to face stuff out, though, don't you? You've yeah. Got, you live through. Uh, I don't know. It's hurt me in a lot of arguments with my wife because if you know if she's been mean to me, I'll just like you say, I'll just phase it out, drop yeah. it. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. You're weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just posi- Well, I try to be positive, but then you're sat there saying I'm very um. Weird. No, the words you used a minute ago, I can't remember how. I can't remember. Because you phased it out. <laughs> you just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, yeah. Have you seen, uh, there's like an episode of The Simpsons where like people are talking to Homer and there's just like stuff going on in his head, just, so he's not listening, he's just... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got like, yeah, like cogs and a yeah. tam- Ta- little monkey playing monkey. the tam... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do something crazy now, Andy. I'm putting a vitamin tablet okay. into a coffee, coffee cup, which has still got coffee in, and I'm pouring water just so we can continue the podcast, because I've not had my vitamins today. Okay. But I mean, I need to probably break in about two minutes to go to the toilet. Vitamins go straight through me. Did you ever have that? No, I don't ever take... Funny enough, Lindsay did mention to me about taking a multivitamin. Yeah, you need to start doing that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but apparently, and again, I sound like a doctor on this episode, 
right? But apparently, the more you, uh, when you have vitamins, the reason why it goes straight through is because the vitamins you've got too much of. Okay. You, you just out. wee out, yeah. Yeah, straight away. Okay. So, I don't know how true or false that is, but just going from rumours and innuendo. That That's I've what Google hearing. said. Um, so, uh, yeah, the show at the cockpit, I thought was really good. And I really enjoyed, so yeah, the ring broke, which was a bloody pain, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and then, um, but then, yeah, I thought every single match delivered. I was impressed with the, the NIC. Yeah, they told quite, you they good. Yeah. Quite a good team. A, a proper tag team. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought they were good. Um, but yeah, I really, really uh, appreciated, yeah, that Curtis Chapman and James Mason match. I just thought it was a fantastic wrestling match. I think I even said that on uh, commentary. Fantastic yeah. wrestling match. Yeah. It was like a throwback match, wasn't it? But not like... For the modern day. Yeah, it was really good. And of course, uh, now at the end of the month, we've got James Mason and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. So, yeah, that's going to be... That's disgusting. Well, I've just put my finger in. <laughs> oh, that's gross. I'm just mixing Does anyone it. else stir their tea with their own finger? Oh, that's gross. That How's it feel gross? Sick. <laughs> it's a clean finger. No, it isn't a clean finger. You've been tapping away on a keyboard... Eating? Oh, never mind. Let's move on. Um, yeah, so we've got Zack Sabre Jr. against James Mason at the end of the okay? month. Yeah, I'm fine. I'll be okay. Um, I was just trying to stir it in with a clean finger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, there's a amount of disgusting stuff that you do that I don't call you on. I do uh, I do, uh, I do. do have a few hang-ups, so, like, I, I hate holding other people's sets of keys. Have <laughs> ever told you that? No. Yeah, I just... Like Lindsay was saying, you hold my keys. I'm like, no. It's like you hate you hate um, you hate holding your own keys as well, don't you? You're just constantly leaving them everywhere. Yeah. Where's that key for the school? Oh, it's in my car. Oh, the key for the school. The gate. Oh, the gate. It's not my mum's. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I've been telling you for like six weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. I've not been to my mum's really. So. <sighs> um. What are we even talking about? We're talking about next cockpit show. Zach Saber Junior. Junior. James Mason. Yeah. Gonna be good. Good yeah. match. Mm. Um. Fantastic. First time match as well. Yeah, right, yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how... Yeah, Zach never really worked for Brian Dixon a lot. I think he did no, a No, but I didn't know if it... If it I, like, so I didn't know if it happened for Premier Promotions, because obviously... Yeah, th- but James then... James doesn't really... James, <coughs> James will tell the story better than I do, but... John Fremantle. So James obviously used to wrestle for John. He was a young wrestler of the year for John Fremantle. I'm sure he was, yeah. Uh, Surprised it's not still on the website <laughs> now. No. And uh, oh, I can, we could talk about that. Um, and James turned up with his dad. To he drove him to the show, I believe. And John tried to charge his dad for a ticket. And that is John oh, Fremantle really? all yeah, over. Through yeah, and through, yeah, 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 yeah. It's John Fremantle rocked up to the Buckland Community Centre to watch a contenders show, and he didn't pay for a ticket. No, he didn't. No, no. But he liked some of the lads though. So um, yeah. Because I did did that show for him, I I, t- I set him straight. I said, John, I'm not a WWE UK competitor, <laughs> but and he said, oh, well, somebody told me you were, and I said, no. And it's not hard to verify that information, John. No, so uh, so either way, it was a good fun show. I wrestled Cole Brady, and then I did a battle royal, which I came. I was the second. I was the last one to be eliminated before Daryl Allen won it. So dazzling Daryl, big shout out to dazzling Daryl, surpassed the teacher. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you think there's going to be a correction if we were to call up the Premier Promotions Hotline? Just a correction from last week's <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. the Premier Promotions Hotline. Andy Boy Simmons is not a NXT UK, WWE UK. WWE UK. UK superstar. Yeah. Maybe you might be billed as New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> sensation. <laughs> I'll take that. 
at least we're on the right lines. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Do you know, the show was in Haven. Do you know what Haven is most famous for? Their biggest connection to pro wrestling? It's uh, a tragic one. There was uh, Mark Sloan's TV tapings. Were in the Haven <laughs> Leisure Centre. Yes, yeah. they were. And um, also uh, that uh, Mark Sloan combat. Do you remember he did those... He did those wrestling shows, um, which are FW Academy shows. Yeah. Um, and they were, I can't remember what he called them, but like... Uh, they were like Team they International. Were, and but no, it was Team Southampton versus Team Portsmouth. Yeah. Oh, was there a Team International? Yeah, well? because Eamon was in Team Portsmouth. Obviously, he's Irish. And you had PJ Black in Team International. Okay. Yeah, 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 uh, So you had the teams against each other, but it was like shoot-style wrestling. In a six-sided ring? In a six-sided ring. Yeah. And... I quote Mark on this. He said, "You think that was because I remember just at the time. You know when you're just like young, sat in a locker room, and you're just like, yeah, mm. <laughs> I'd like to say something, <laughs> or I disagree, but I can't." He said, "I." He essentially was saying, "I don't care if the fans here sit on their hands for the entire show. We're doing it like this." Really? Yeah. See, he had a um. He had. It was an interesting concept as well, which could have. Yeah, so I want to say, dating back to 2002, Mark had a, Mark had bought a six-sided ring, so Mark had a real fascination was with this Project one. X. Project X. Yeah. That it was hidden. He'd hired another unit next door to our school that was constantly locked. As far as I'm aware, like he wanted to keep it private and secret from like Alex Shane and all the other FWA guys, because I guess he didn't want them to steal the idea. But that's what we called it, Project X. And we go into the project. We were all kind of laugh, not laughing at it. We weren't mean about it, but like, oh, should we go in the project? Can we ask if we go in the Project X room? <laughs> it was a six-sided ring that, like, Mark's dad uh, is a hell of a welder and a hell of an engineer. He built all the FWA rings, but this one was not. This one was clunky as anything. And I remember, like, it was a. Uh, the pieces of the the boards were like a. It was like segments of an orange. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Piece yeah. it together. Like people have enough trouble these days. Like literally, our rings, like general, like the for the sixteen foot rings, there's only four boards that matter what position they're in, which are the corner boards. Yeah. And people have enough trouble being able to line up number one to number one. I'd love to see how they. <laughs> did God, yeah, some of those lads marks yeah, had as it well. Was, it, do you know? It reminds me of like you know one of those puzzles you get on the crisp uh, on the crystal maze. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you got all the pieces on the floor, and you uh-huh. have to right, what goes where? Yeah. Let's start. Yeah, so and you got people shouting you that one there, that <laughs> one there. Yeah. yeah, so I never did. I never did the shows, but uh, I can remember being training in the ring, and you stand on the left hand side, and the steel work would go down, and the steel work on the right hand side would go up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like you're always on like a slant. Oh, do you know a funny like that? And that if Mark hears this, he'll be like, "That's not true." And I'm like, it is true. Um, do you know what's funny story that happened in Bristol without with my. 18 foot ring. Okay. Bristol, right? You stood on one side and it came up, right? And do you know where it was? Go on. The floor, because it's like a warehouse or whatever, the floor was wonky. Oh, uh, so like, yeah, okay. It was impossible to get, so it wasn't like, so we moved the ring forward to yep. get it um, into a better position to, um, uh, so it wasn't as wonky, but still when you stood on it, it was going up and down. So we wound up just putting carpet underneath, yeah. um, which obviously then, like essentially, we built our own false floor underneath the post. Yeah, okay. You have um, to do so to raise it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so we just had a raised bit underneath. Okay. I think we had a block of wood and some carpet tiles, and that balanced it out. Mm. But yeah, otherwise it would have been like that seesaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the thing is with the they the the wrestlers, and this isn't. I'm not talking from experience. I never went in one, but TNA's six sided ring was apparently the hardest ring ever. So I can imagine it was. Yeah. 
and again, like I've been like a doctor in this episode, so now I'll be a scientist, a fi- an engineer, it, an engineer, yeah, structurally. No, but I, I guess it's because uh, there's generally the the rings are you have a ring with a spring in the middle where the where essentially the that's where it would all join. The give, the give is the spring, so yeah, like that's what. Yeah. Although they're made of solid steel and don't have any spring at all, they just look no. like a spring. But like, but you can step on it and it goes down. You know that yeah. that center point is what takes the impact. Yeah. Right. Or a flexi beam ring is the impact goes round the four sides rather than through the center. Yeah. So it kind of ballot like so if someone hits it, that's that's the idea anyway. Sure. But like obviously with one of those. Uh, you know, uh, six-sided rings. You've got more pieces of steel knocking around, so mm. there's less give yeah. to it. Something like that, anyway. Whatever. Doctor, Doctor Quilden. Thank you, Doctor. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> cool. take it. Um, All right. So, should we do uh, the game? Yeah. The challenge. Are you going? You should do the jingle this week. Um, I can't remember. Guys, you're just the next about it. Andy and Andy's thirty-week wrestling challenge. That's I did that. a I did a buzz because I you, you that's your thing the explosion. Wow. I was uh, I watched um, I don't know why I found this on the WWE Network the Ultimate Warriors debut in WCW. I'd oh, never yeah. watched it. I just occurred to I'd never seen it. So I worked, I did it only yesterday and it was all buzz like electricity running through the air. So that's why you decided to yeah throw that in improv. I'm working my way through WCW Monday Nitros at the moment. Yeah, where are you up to? Um, the end. Oh, so. Macho Man's still in the NWO. Okay. But he's teaming with Sting, who's in WCW. About three weeks ago, Sting broke his silence. So, like, again, we talk about how great, like, we romanticise, or I think we romanticise about how great wrestling was. Like, if you ever watch any of the Attitude Era Raws, they're complete trash. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I'd say 1999 wasn't very good, but I'd say 1998 was very exciting, like... Everyone Maybe, had something going on. There was a lot of there was a lot of trash going on though. Yeah, they don't age well. Like I would argue that. But you talk about the in-ring action or the verbiage of some of the, the superstars. Verbiage, the the angles. Uh, a lot of it is just. But we were fourteen, so yeah, like I know, yeah. So, so there I'm was the big hasn't aged very well. But I there mean. was the big angle. Was there a big angle? An angle. I was listening to a podcast. They were discussing it, and where Terry Runnels <laughs> had a miscarriage when I'm fourteen. You have no idea what that means, really. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You kind of don't really think a lot of it. But as an adult, you you become very aware of how shitty it is. And, yeah, so... So what's your point? Well, my point is, like, you, you may have a point on some things. But in terms of, like, DX getting their ass out and being like, oh, we're going to split and all that... I thought it was great as a 14-year-old, look. Yeah, so again, like... And I even as a 35-year-old, I still... I don't laugh at it, but like I kind of go, so oh, I, yeah, this was cool. So I think... Yeah, I, I always said wrestling grew up with me. So I think that, obviously, in the in the 90s, when I first started watching it, you had all the cartoon characters. Yep. And then when you got to, like, 97... Well, I guess 97 was, obviously, the Heart Foundation was more kind of... There was still cartoony stuff, but like mm-hmm. Bret Hart was grown up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a bit, reali- a bit more realism. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like 1996, 90, you know, like the In Your House is, 90, that's like 95, didn't it? In Your House. Yeah, it? we didn't get them, I don't think, till no, 97. Like the, first, the first In Your House, what was the first In Your House you watched? Would it be uh, <coughs> Cold Day in Hell, maybe? I think it was the one where Ahmed Johnson had to fight the three members of the Nation of Domination. 
Okay. And then he lost to Farouk. In the, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So he beat Savio, beat Crush, lost to Ahmed I, Johnson. Uh, um, I... Lost yeah, to Farouk. I, I didn't even... Uh, the first one I watched on Sky, which I had taped for me, was... Uh, I can't even remember what one it was, but it was... Um, it was the one where Steve Austin. No, I couldn't even tell you. I'd be lying. But we certainly didn't get them right at the start. No, but like the first in your house, the first in your house I actually watched was a VHS tape. Yeah, and it was in your house seven. Okay, which was a it was a blue VHS and it had uh, Sean and Diesel. Uh, yep, Sean and Diesel, best friends, better enemies. Yeah. So here's um, so when I was a kid, so they announced in your house was Diesel versus Sid, right? The pay per view happened. And then on, say, Mania or whatever that week, it was like, right, in your house too, we've got Sid versus Diesel in a Lumberjack match. I was like, what? That's going to be like next year in your house too. Do you know, they, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I didn't, <coughs> it's because I didn't appreciate but these were going to be bi-monthly pay-per-views yeah. or filling in the gaps. So I thought, well, we've got to wait a whole year to see I bet you're Sid and Diesel. It, no, I couldn't wait. Never did it, see it. Was it worth a wait? Oh, you know well, I did. I did see it because it was in your house too, which had With My Baby Tonight on it, which was a cracking little song. Do you want to sing it? Spin my D. I can sing it certainly better than the guys tried to do at the Hall of Fame last year. When Zack Ryder's like, oh, I don't know the words. <laughs> I could sing it because I used to. Let's see if I'll find this. Uh, I used to have a camcorder and I used to sing. I'd put a hat on with some sunglasses on <laughs> and I used to play it. So I put the video camera on top of the telly, press play on the video and record myself mouthing along and dancing to it. Yeah. If you can find that, that would be like the best. That would be the best, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's got to be my mum's, yeah. Please. Find I have half an idea where it could be, actually. So I'm buzzing. And my mum's still got a VHS player as well. Really? Yeah. I've got a, I've got a VHS player, but I don't know if it works. Okay. So, uh, but I, I took a... I've got a VHS player and obviously all my old... Uh, no, I, I, I was only allowed to keep my boxed VHS tapes. Not your recorded ones? Not my recorded ones, no. I think I got rid of them all. But I think I'll probably wind up getting rid of them all because it's just all there on the network, isn't it? Yeah. I just sold all my DVDs. Uh, they won't. I don't see the network sort of failing anytime soon. Yes, I um, um, there may or may not be a video of me dancing to Sexy Boy as well <laughs> when I was <laughs> that same age. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Um, fortunately, we never had a video camera, so <laughs> no, none, of that embarrassment. none of that embarrassing stuff will be around. No. Um, okay. okay, let's get to the 30 day, 30 week wrestling challenge. So, <laughs> what did we do last week? Was it favourite heel last week or was it favourite finisher? Uh, I don't think it's favourite finisher. Okay, so this week it's a favourite finisher. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. <coughs> it's favourite finisher. Yeah, favourite finisher. Um, do you know what move is a very underrated finishing manoeuvre? The Papa Shungo shoulder breaker. Okay. Do you know what I mean? You were doing it at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling. No, 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 no. no. I was doing it like the conventional way. Oh, okay. But when he'd do it like a little bit like Farouk's Dominator, he'd lift up like that and then drop him down in his shoulder. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Beat Tito Santana at SummerSlam. Yeah. What have you got? Anything off the top of your head? I mean, the Hogan leg drop was pretty spectacular. Uh, (laughs) Got the job done. Uh, cool. See, I want to say sharpshooter, but again, we can't have everything. <laughs> Bret Hart, yeah. Uh, hmm. Favorite finisher. Hmm. Mm. The X Factor was pretty cool. Nah, I never liked that. Oh, I did. I always thought that was pretty cool. X Pack, it's the man. 
I like X Pack, but I never was never really into the X Factor. No, oh, I did. No. I liked it. Uh, Shane McMahon did the uh, took the best X Factor. I remember it was like so like recent. Think about more recent finishes that have been like do you know. I don't think there's been a finisher which got more over than when Chris Jericho started using the Code Breaker. What as a new one? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Can you remember when he started using it? Yeah, it was when like, oh he came my back. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um. Even that was twelve years ago. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryan's yes lock's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's like a modern day. I liked it when. So again, this is like me being a wrestling nerd. But in Ring of Honor, when he used to roll, use a small package. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. Uh huh. Getting that over. Um. So I don't. I've not really given an answer either of you. So well, shoulder. I'll go with Papa Shango shoulder breaker, or the yeah. bath, b- b- bushwhackers battering ram. Oh, do you know what move I do love? The Kona crush. I was just about to say that. The head vice. That. So if you if you were looking to if you were going to if you listen back to the audio you'll hear me go crush. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. Uh. I was going to say it. But I was going to say it ironically. <laughs> no, that's cool. When Power Slam used to always slag it off. They always yeah, slag no, off Crush as well. But like, it's it's yeah, but Power Slam wrestling, you know. So if you if you squashed his head, do you know what I mean? Like, and like he got he did get it over by say like when with all the vignettes, like when yeah, cr- like that's my when I was a little kid, my mum would say, "Can you open the milk?" And like, pff, yeah, the milk could go everywhere. Yeah. Um. But uh, I mean, Power Slam, you have to remember, was written predominantly by an individual who will openly tell you it was his opinion. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he did slag stuff off, but he was never under any pretense of saying, you know, he'd always be like, this writer thinks, or, right. you know, he was never, like, stating it as fact. I don't think he was anyway. Yeah, I mean, you can't write, not everything you write, you can start with. My, in my no, opinion, not at in all. my opinion. Yeah. So, I know what you're saying. It was a very... But it, but it was a very... Uh, this is sucks. Why is this on pay-per-view? Why is this on TV magazine? I loved Power Slam. Yeah, so did I, but... The Power Slam years, everyone should read that book by Finley Martin. And Finley Martin, I met him very, very briefly at that. Uh, I like Finley Martin a lot. Do you know what? I just told him he, had a good, he did a good speech in his British Wrestling Hall of Fame. Because he did. It was a good speech. Finley Martin is a lot younger than I imagined him to be. Yeah. Like, I imagined him when I was... Uh, when he was writing, I imagined him to be like an old man. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know why. why I did. Yeah. I don't know why. There's mm. no real reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Maybe I kn- I knew he wasn't because obviously he's in Beyond the Mat. Oh uh, yeah. That's saying, Oh, I'm from England in yeah. Britain. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, so I remember I remember working finding out that was him, and then obviously twigging. Oh, he's not very old, is he? I'd like Finley Martin's come on our podcast. I know he does podcasts, but he does his own podcasts, does he? Oh, like, I'd well, bash him for like a. Well, he does one for Crush, uh, Wrestle Talk. Yeah, a podcast. But I'd like to, but I'd like to, just have a chat with him. Yeah, maybe we can do it. I've, I've given his book with Power Slam years enough plugs, haven't I? You have. At least he could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going for the Kona Crush. Final answer. Yeah. Final answer. And I did try to bring it back on the camps. I do remember a few <laughs> years ago. Like that time you tried to bring back the tornado punch. Yeah. Which I'm just... I, I can throw a good wrestling punch, but I can't do the spin. The spin sure. is like a real... Yeah. That's like a real discus throw, isn't it? Like Kevin yeah. Bonnet, Kerry would... So, um, but I, could I just point out, while we're on the subjects of finishes... Yeah. So I can see... So I've, I've Googled the, this 30-week wrestling challenge. 
and there's a picture of Shawn Michaels in the background. So Switching Music, I think, is one of the best finishes ever. Yeah. Right? And uh, But I was watching an episode of Superstars um, from 92. It's probably the second or third third episode of Superstars on the network at the moment. Okay. Um, and he hits that super kick to absolutely no reaction whatsoever and hits something else after as a finish. Mm. Right? <coughs> back but suplex, like, maybe? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but it was a high, high-angle back suplex. Like, yeah. It looked pretty uh, nasty. But anyway... Um, Point being, a finishing move is what you make of it, isn't it? Yeah, god like, yeah, yeah. So, so I can remember wanting. I th- I remember thinking I could get a swinging neck breaker over as a finish, just a traditional swinging neck breaker, and everyone was said you couldn't. And my theory as a pro wrestler is it's all in how you sell it. So yeah. don't tell me a move's not cool enough. Absolutely. You know, I like agree. I can't think of anything off the top of my head on TV right now, but. It's all about, you know, if I'm the master of the swing neck breaker, that's a yeah. deadly, deadly hold. Yep. Deadly move. So, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, like, if we wanted to get someone over as, like, having the tightest grip in wrestling and the moment they're in a headlock, that's but it. A headlock could be a finish, a legitimate finish. Yeah, like, it's you know. like, you come here, I'll put you in a headlock and see how much it hurts. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like... It was an MMA fight at the weekend, controversially finished in a bulldog headlock. Oh, did he? Yeah. Is that he jumped off the cage or something? No, it was uh, someone else. The guy's arm went limp. Okay. And uh, Robbie Lawler, his arm went limp, and the referee stopped the fight. Right. Um, and uh, then, literally, the second that Ben Askren got off the off the head, yeah, Lawler was kind of stood on his feet, as if to be like, "I wasn't out." Oh, right. Okay. And, like, it's debatable because, like, his arm did drop, like he was out, but yeah, you know. But whatever, it's by the by. But anyway, point being, the bulldog choke is a legit, which is yeah. essentially a side headlock, yeah. cranked up. Uh-huh. You know, the bulldog headlock, if you will. Mm-hmm. Who used to say that? You know, if you the, will. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes. Com- was it on the commentary? Like, it, I just remember in WCW, he's like a bulldog headlock, if you will. That sounds like Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, maybe it was Dusty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just remember that as a kid. Mm-hmm. The bulldog headlock, if you will. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but a headlock can be a perfectly feasible finish move. Anything yeah. can be. Uh huh. So cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, so that was it. I d- I don't think I've given them a real answer, but don't worry about it. Well, I think I think you need to quickly give us one. Boom. My favourite finisher move is Rowdy Roddy Piper sleeper hold. Which I don't think I, I saw one win one match with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brutus above the beefcake sleeper hold. Oh, okay, there you go. But you did know that Rowdy Roddy, Roddy Piper's finisher was a sleeper hold, even though he so won. So I was going to bring this point up when you said about Shawn Michaels and the back suplex. The only way I ever knew Shawn Michaels finishing with was the back suplex. The computer game. No, because I didn't play the computer as the toys. It would always have like a little bio. Uh, okay. Finish with back suplex. So like I think that I think I got that in Christmas '93, and he didn't start using the super kick till like a year later as a finish. So it's like oh. Yeah, is it a back suplex? You know what, someone was probably him. just watching his match and said, do you know what would be better? That super kick you do before, you always hit that pretty sweet. Yeah, probably. Uh, and we've said things like that to the guys at the school many times. Yeah. Like, why don't you start doing that? That's way better than what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. So what is Haven't famous for? Oh, Haven't is famous for... So, the, the, so the clip that, that was not the right clip that was used in Owen Hart's Descent, on in his fall. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the, I, I believe the story is WWE hired like a like a movie company or like someone who wasn't really qualified for the job, and the the equipment they'd used was sailing equipment, and they got it from a place in Haven in near Portsmouth called Lumar, and I was explaining to the lads how you see Lumar vans around, 
And then, funnily enough, I saw yeah. one yesterday. So oh. Lumar is the company, because it used to always be in the Portsmouth News. I might have mentioned this before, but it used to always be in the Portsmouth News every now and then, like an update on the case and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow, I didn't even know. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got their equipment from Lumar, who are a boating company. Wow. And based in Haven. Lumar are still in business. Yeah. So obviously their insurance probably dealt with it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I saw Lumar van just yesterday and took a picture of it. I was going to send it to Daryl because we were kind of just topic of discussion. That's your... Uh, no one cared apart from me, but, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what Haven's famous for, wrestling. Yeah, so. Ta-da. Cool, so that and the Mark Sloan <laughs> yeah. shows. I can't remember what you called them now, but either way. Yeah, I, wish I, I wish I knew what they were called. The uh, Yeah, I'm sure we could find up with a quick uh, scan of cage, a merchandise or... A cage match. Yeah, yeah. Let's not, let's not worry about it. <laughs> All right, cool. So we have got a topic to discuss today, have we not? Yep, you tell us what the topic is. The, the topic of discussion today is um, we are, or I'm going to reminisce, just a few what I, you know, minor, minorly amusing stories from my wrestling trips around Europe. So, so I could probably give you a better segue into that if we were to rewind and start again. All right, go on, rewind We're it, not going to rewind and start again. Well, not literally. But but like, go on. You know, I'm a promoter, yes. aren't I? So... I'll probably let's uh, try and add a layer of polish onto this. So, with the impending exit from the EU, we're going to talk about times where we were able to work in the EU freely without any worry <laughs> about any, any consequences. Yep. Um, so, who knows how much longer we're going to be able to do stuff like this. So, let's have a celebration of the EU and our times. That's a very good <laughs> idea. Yeah. In yeah. Only got a few Union. weeks left, haven't we? So, yep. that's a good little segue though, isn't it? That was it's good, like, actually. Well you know, done. you try and, you know, you... You give me, uh, you give me chicken, hmm, and I'll make you chicken salad. Yeah, well done. And it tastes good, as well. Cool. All right. So there was a there was a, a poster that went up on Facebook that I was tagged in, and it was from a, a show from Italian Championship Wrestling, and I, on my Instagram I put the original to, ICW. The original ICW. So it would always be like ICW, ICW, um, and. So that all came up. Is this a promotion that had the Knights of the Crafty Butcher? Yes. Okay. Which, you know what that means? No. Okay, so I'll get around to that. Okay. Okay, so so we had uh, two guys from Italy turn up at Mark Simon's training school, and uh, they were rather, one of them, Roberto, certainly, I can't remember his bloody, Roberto Amato, I think is his name, really nice guy, wrestled as the dragon. Someone pulled a horrible trick. Was it the same Roberto that I'm thinking of, where someone called him up and pretended to be Alex Shane? He said, would you like to come and referee an FWA show? Yeah, I think. <coughs> I completely forgot about that, but yeah, I think yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah, I can... It wasn't really Alex. But Alex and Alex Shane profession impression yeah. is easy to do. Yeah. Like Cockney accent, talk a million miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten all about that, but yeah, yeah I think you're someone right. Called, someone called him up and was like, all right, mate, it's Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bless him. Yeah, because Roberto's a really nice guy. Yeah, we've, not got, we've not got a spot for you to, refer- to wrestle, but... <laughs> Did he turn do you, up? Do you fancy refereeing? How far, like, how far oh, down yes, did that please, get? Oh, yes, please, I'd love to, I'd love to. And like, a, I don't know, I, he didn't turn up. I think it was... A, it, it was soon it discovered, was yeah. Soon discovered, yeah, but like a... Oh, I didn't know It was that. a horrible, horrible gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe for Berto, if he listens to this, which he obviously does, <laughs> um, he could uh, verify the story. Maybe not want to. I think I remember the person who made the call as well, so maybe we could get them to... Yeah, explain verify. themselves. I think I might know who it was. One so. of the creators of Team Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, so Roberto came down to the training school, and he was telling everyone, "Hey, he runs this wrestling company in Italy," and I think me and James Ty were the only two that talked to him because I think everyone was kind of like that kind of like fear of, "Oh, he's Italian. I've never met anyone Italian." You know, at Portsmouth, for 
all the love in the world of Portsmouth, <laughs> anyone from away from Portsmouth is people don't really want a lot to do with. Yeah, how do you think I get on? I've got no mates. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's kind of like that. We're from Portsmouth. We stay in Portsmouth. We don't want to leave Portsmouth. So we've, I've, I think we both said how we've both had girlfriends and one of them had never been to London. And yeah. she was in her mid-20s. She's like, I've never been to London before. I was like, what do you mean you've never been to London? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of, I'm not saying, I'm not generalising Portsmouth. I love Portsmouth, but, you know, this was certainly the case at Mark Soane's wrestling school. So anyway, uh, I was really nice to him. James was really nice to him. We actually t- taught him some stuff, because that's what they'd come down from London, because he'd moved from Italy to uh, to Port, uh, to London, uh, probably to learn to wrestle, but maybe for something like university and just ended up wrestling with Alex Shane. So he came down to Mark's school. Me and, me and James were, uh, were, were were making a fuss of him, because no one else was. Because you were like, oh, he runs promotion in Italy, maybe. But, we yeah, yes and no, but like that's pro wrestling. You know, it's not just pro wrestling, it's the entertainment industry, isn't it? You know, it's like you just make friends and hope for the best, you know? I thought I'd have a funny joke, but I'm not allowed to tell. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, so anyway... So I'll tell you what, I'm hilarious in my own head. Oh, I I'm am. sure. Like, I am. I'm sure. Try telling me later and then we'll... Um, so anyway, within I want to say within about two or three weeks, me and James were asked if we wanted to go to Italy to go wrestle. And it, it, you know, it blew our minds that we were being flown in, we were being paid fairly well, and we were just being treated so well. So we, obviously we took took the opportunity with both our hands, you know. And this was in the days actually, so it was all well and good getting excited being flown in. I want to say Ryanair flights were like, do you remember when they were like ninety nine p plus tax, and yeah, the tax was like twelve quid or yeah, something? Yeah. You'd fly in and out every weekend, you know. It was, yeah. You know, just different. T- I don't know what Ryanair flight costs nowadays. Uh, but so again, like if you go in early, you can probably get in for like maybe 20, 30 quid. You know, but then you've got to add your bags, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, it kind of it all varies. Mm-hmm. But you look at uh, like traditionally looking at a return from a place like that, maybe sixty to a hundred pounds. You know? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like that then. It was way cheaper. Maybe yeah. it's the price of oil. I'm not sure. Um, so obviously, we, we, you know, I go there. We meet. Um, we meet. Roberto's parents at the airport and I'll tell you who came with us Barry Chavalavalumbus you remember Barry? I, I know do, you yeah. certainly do yeah. um, so he was yeah, kind so of so that question was to you the audience <laughs> yeah, I'm listening do you um, remember Barry? for those of you who've been listening to the Ace Grade Circle <laughs> Wrestling Podcast since day one he is a man who owned a hotel, hotel. Yeah, oh yeah and we all Where stayed all in the, the night before revival and all the imports used to stay there yeah the FWA days as a budget saving measure. Yeah. So he came with us and... Uh, he also ran. <laughs> so he, he taught me a very, very valuable life lesson. If you're selling videotapes and you don't have time to copy them all, just put some blank tapes in. Yeah, just put some blank later. tapes and people no will call you up and send them another day. <laughs> um, so uh, so he said, yeah, he taught me a real valuable life lesson, which I... I'll tell the story first. So me and James arrive in Italy. But can I just say about Barry? Yeah, yeah. Just in all seriousness, I do like Barry a lot, and he's very, uh, yeah, very intelligent man. Yeah, yeah. He's certainly way more intelligent than I ever gave him credit for initially, because I can remember hearing, "Oh, Barry's training guys now." I was like, "Barry, he's not even, a, he's never been in the ring. Like, what does he know?" And he'd always make his points about guys he's travelled on the road, and the roads of England. I mean, you know, like I've learnt this from this guy and this from this guy, and you know. But then his record speaks for itself, and the guys he helped coach, absolutely, are doing, re- you know, some of them are doing really well. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so I, when we we got to the airport, and I want to say uh, Roberto's dad had picked us up, and his, Roberto's dad was Italian, and Roberto's mum was English, but obviously she lived in Italy, and um, and I jumped in the back seat because I thought oh, I don't want to sit in the front seat. I have to talk to this man. He's I was nineteen, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then James went and got in the back seat as well, 
Okay, so you've got the driver and you've got two passengers he's never met before sitting in the back seat. It's rude, isn't it? That is very rude. And Barry was the one who said to me, he said, listen, don't do that again. Uh, he, he, he kind of understood why we did it. So did Barry sit in the front? No, no, Barry's, Barry's in another car. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Barry's in another car. He said, don't do that again. He said, because it looks like you're treating him as a chauffeur. And like, you know, light bulb immediately goes off like, yeah. Like, you knew it wasn't a good situation, but you couldn't quite pinpoint why. And then Barry put it into words as to why. And then that takes me back to a time seven years later when I had a wrestler. Go, we were going down to Bognor Regis. What wrestler? Should I say? Yeah. The Lion Kid. Okay. And uh, I was picking him up from work. Uh, we were going down to Butlins, Bognor. And he said, oh, can we drop my girlfriend at Bognor train station before going on to Butlins? I said, of course. So his girlfriend, who's now his wife, got two kids, lovely lady to be fair, gets in the car, sits in the back obviously, and I'm thinking, oh wait, he's going to come sit next to me in the passenger seat, and he gets in the back. And I said, are you not going to come sit next to me? Because this was running through my mind, do you know what I mean? Like, treating someone like a chauffeur, treating someone like a chauffeur. And you should always... Especially when they're doing you a favour, like... Well, right, yeah, yeah. And you should always be grateful to the driver. Obviously, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care who drives me anywhere, especially in wrestling, or even just real life, but like, especially wrestling, you always thank the driver and just let him know. You know, maybe buy him a Red Bull, do you know what I mean? Just like, do something decent. And I said to Wade, Are you not going to sit, come sit in the front seat? He's like, Oh, no, I thought I'd sit in the back. And I was like, Well, that's actually really rude, Wade. I think you should probably come sit next to the driver. So I don't want to. And I, I've never lost it like I lost it that day. And the whole way down, I regret it now because I was so rude and aggressive. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thumbs up, Hugh. <laughs> well, you say that, but like not really. Like, but then I, I'd, I'd probably say that's probably the last time I really my temper went out of control. And uh, yeah, and then I felt bad because I kind of made him look bad in front of the lady who went on to marry. So I'm sat there going, "Who do you think you are? I'm not your no, 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 a chauffeur." She probably thought you were pathetic. Yeah, but but that, that's fine. People who think that that's pathetic are people who don't have good manners, though. No, about how angry you were getting. Yeah, but that is still the same quote. Still, still same conversation. Two wrongs don't make a right, though. Well, maybe not, but that still is like if she thought if she, if anyone thought I was pathetic, that just shows how terrible your manners are. Because like good manners suggest you don't sit in the two people don't sit in the back seat while the drivers they're dry. You said it yourself, especially while you're doing them a favour. I know. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. So there you I go. I wouldn't have got so angry about it though. But. Oh, I don't know if you're in that situation, you might do. Mm. You might do now. No, I don't think I would. Well, you can see. Well, see well, let's let's try it out, shall we? Um, okay, so uh, so yeah, so so we learned that. So I learned that valuable life lesson um, from that trip in Italy, um, and also another life lesson I learned that trip was don't take your eyes off your passport, because like when we went to so the two shows they were in um, like a shopping centre. So in Portsmouth we have Cascades. Um, what's that big shopping centre uh, near the cockpit? Eastfield, Heathfield, something. We drive past it every time we go there. Do you know what I don't mean? Near, uh, it's huge. In Stratford, there's Westfield shopping. Westfield, centre. maybe. Yeah. That's in Stratford. That's not near the cockpit. But that's near. That's near the copper box. Oh, but it might be that one. Um, we definitely drive past we one. Might do, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's the Royals in Southend. Okay, that sounds good. And I'm trying to think of the one, the Friary in Guildford, and the Bentall Centre in Kingston. All the main top shopping centres. So anyway, we're wrestling in a shopping centre both days. So we get there against not not wrestling fans. Um, and uh, and it's me and James. We won the ICW Tag Team Championship. Congratulations! Um, yeah, and Dan Head christened us, christened us British Beef for the first time. Myself and James. This is pre Iron Lions. Wow! Just yeah. one of your many tag team names you've been called. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so anyway, to our point is on the second day uh, we stayed over at Roberto's house, um, and 
and I'd lost my passport. Frantically trying to find my passport, absolutely panicking. Nineteen years old, first time I've been out of the country on my, you know, without my mum and dad, and I was having a meltdown. But I, but at the same time, I also had to go wrestle. So um, you know, you can imagine how stressful that was. And I think it was only slightly relieved of the stress. Was like I've never been. Um, I don't know. Some people say I don't give myself enough credit. Some people say I give myself too credit. But I've never thought of myself as like a good wrestler. <laughs> Maybe a good entertainer, but like a not good wrestler. Um, and I remember after the match, it was me and James against two other lads, and we got the, all the wrestlers came out, gave us that Monday <laughs> Night Raw standing ovation. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was but like, stands really? Again, yeah. I'm not being horrible, but like. Well, yeah, they, they were the they were essentially about a bunch of backyarders. Yeah, the standards of wrestling in Europe used to be very bad. Yeah, yeah. obviously it's improved a lot now, mm-hmm. but it used to be dreadful. Yeah, yeah, it did. They, like, were, uh, they, were, they were all. Mal Sanders said, "Like I've never met a good like, Spanish, Spanish worker." worker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so you know, if you go back and look at it, it's a bit like going back and watching. Um, it's a bit like going back and watching that Louis Theroux documentary when he's at the AIWF we've talked about before. Yeah. And like, you know, when I was 20 watching it, or 19, um, 2000, 1990, 16, being like... This is so cool. Being like, this is so cool. Um, but really, all it was was absolute terrible backyard wrestling. And that's the same, like, looking back with this ICW. But then again, they did improve dramatically, um, you know, years later. And also... Look, he was still fishing for another book. I'm not, they did. <laughs> and uh, I think they cleared out a lot of their backyard wrestlers. It's a bit like today's ports of wrestling scene. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, if you're not going to put me on, my, on shows, I'm going to start my own shows. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so, we had all that to deal with. But anyway, my uh, you know to to make it a bit of a non-story, I did manage to find my uh, passport and get home Where safely. Where was your passport? I think it was in. The, I think it fallen out of my pocket in the back seat of the car. Wow, really? You know, we're like in your back seat of the car, and then it's yeah. the, the the back seats fold down. You know, so you get that little gap. Like Rikishi's iPhone. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, so I think it fallen. Call back for you. So why is he called the Crafty Butcher? What was? Sh- so I don't know how this came about, but someone was saying. So I thought you were going to tell a real good story where Barry stole your passport and that's why he was crafty. And No, no, but it came about because I, I can't remember how we were talking about it and I don't know if it's funny in 2019, but he was, somebody was the crafty butcher. Well, the crafty butcher is, is a butcher who likes his... I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. He likes his meat delivered round the back. Okay, so it's... I don't know why, but someone has just said that. And then Barry decided what do you to. What that? Crafty butcher, okay, is a butcher who likes his meat delivered round the back. Back of where? It's a gay joke, all right? <laughs> okay? It was funny in 2003, all right? But I, I don't know why. It, it was Barry who. Uh, who 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 recorded it and decided to? Um, oh, so give he didn't it even there. have a show name. But no, it was just <laughs> like it was just wrestling in a shopping centre. Then Barry recorded it and thought he could sell a few videotapes of it. <laughs> so was it the night, night of the Crafty, Crafty Butcher, because that was some that somebody had said that that expression to us in uh, on that trip, and that just stuck with us. <laughs> just thought it was clever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That was my first trip. Uh, can you remember your first trip at all? No, I wish I could. Yeah, but you you did some refereeing uh, in like WXW and yeah, uh, maybe WXW was probably my first time refereeing abroad. Yeah, um, I only did two shows with them. Um, a guy called David, I think I, I think David Classen maybe. I can't. I 
he contacted me on MSN Messenger, or maybe we used to talk on MSN. I don't I honestly can't couldn't even tell you how or where it came from, but like uh, he was like, oh, we've got a uh, their referee. I can't. And again, like this, I wish I had a good story for you, but I don't because I can't remember. Like uh, so, it was something like their referee. Maybe their referee was involved doing a heel, they would, had a heel referee thing going on. Okay. So, like, there was, uh, yeah, in fact, I think that's the case. I think they had a heel referee going on. Their other referee was Tass, Tass Low Young, who's, like, now one of the owners. Yeah. Um, so, they needed another referee, and we got talking, and that's where he said, would you like to come out? And why didn't you go back again? You just like... Well, I only did a couple of shows, uh, and then I don't know what happened to David. I don't, Honestly, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, um, But I remember the first show I did, it was the first time I saw Cesaro. Okay. And I was like, and I knew straight away that he probably doesn't remember, but like, uh, but I think he might, I don't know. But like, I, like I watched him, I think he, I can't remember who he wrestled. See, this is how this story is just terrible. But like the first time I saw Cesaro wrestle uh, at the time, he was double C, mm -hmm. he, was, he was going by. Um, I was like, that guy's like the best wrestler I've ever seen. Really? Like legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd not been wrestling for long either. Mm -hmm. And it, and I'd spoken to him afterwards. He'd only done some, he'd done Chris Hero. He'd trained, he was trained by Chris Hero. Chris Hero at the time was like big for WXW. Like a, like I can't describe him. He's like, he was like a, a, a hero in WXW and he used to come out to Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. Okay. Right. I remember that much. Yeah. It was like, hero, hero. And it was around the time of the... See, the second show I did for WXW was a show where they did the CM Punk versus Chris Hero 60-minute Iron Man match. I didn't referee that much, unfortunately. Tassilo Young did. Okay. Like, uh, but that was... Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, and Salvatore Belomo, I met him for the... Oh, really? He died I met, recently, he? died like a couple he? of weeks ago, yeah. yeah. So Salvatore Belomo. And I remember my mind being blown by like... I'm on a show where there's like a WWF wrestler. There. Really, yeah. Yeah, Sal Palomo. <coughs> um, it's always funny, like, you forget, like, there's such a, at least to me, whenever I see Cesaro on TV, I forget he came from the European circuit. Yeah, right. You know. and, he, and I remember the the best match I did of that refereed, I can't remember if it was the first show I did or the second show I did there, but it was Mike Quackenbush versus Johnny Storm. Oh, yeah. Just a real good match. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. Um so yeah, so that was a good time. Um, again, like I say, there's not really any stories to tell. I remember there was a group of fans that came over at the same time as well. English. Uh, English fans. Yeah. yeah. So it was around the time of the UK fan forum <coughs> where you had a lot of um, you had a lot of people uh, who would do like group trips. So it was around the time of the... the <coughs> well, it was when just they did after, like minibuses and like, stuff. When they did the minibus to the, yeah. you know, the Blackburn show. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was around that time. There was quite a few people went then um and then i know sanjay bagger was one of them oh yeah he was there for sure yeah and i remember we went to oh i'll tell you so it was at a place called see it's just i'm um, just as we're talking i'm thinking about his music palais maybe okay uh and like uh, afterwards it turned into a nightclub um and i just went out like after the club so again this is probably something a recurring theme of the i never everything in those days i took for granted and not no that's the wrong way of putting it I took everything in my stride. I didn't realise, like, I, I was absolutely privileged. And I couldn't believe I was in these places. But, um, you know, seeing the sights was never a thing for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I used to almost like the fact, 
not like the fact, but like, you know, if someone was like, oh, did you see much of Germany? Well, I saw the inside of a wrestling venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite afterwards. a funny thing to say in your early 20s, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, just wasting like, opportunity. Yeah, but like, yeah. I look back now and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um, and I, well, I'll give you another example of that in a minute. Um, and uh, yeah, we went to a nightclub night afterwards um, and went from the club to the airport where obviously we had a Ryanair flight back that was it so straight yeah literally straight from there and mm-hmm. I remember being so tired never been so tired I think that was the first time I'd done an all-nighter right you know where you were just like drinking and oh that was the first time as well so like in Germany I don't know if it's still like I've not been there for years um but this venue was uh they used you, you got like a uh, a card on your way in so like um and you so they stamp it for your drinks oh uh, yes I remember so that yeah out, yeah and I can't remember if you paid in advance or you just pay for your drinks maybe you pay for your drinks as you're leaving or something but you get like that a, seems a, stupid people be get, absolutely hammered but you it? Get, like you get you get a certain amount of free drinks with your entry uh-huh. um, and I remember there was a few lads in the UK fan forum group who did and I was like a celebrity there because like I'd refereed on the show yeah and I remember I hadn't told anyone there that I was going to referee I just kind of like they were all queuing up outside when they got there and I just kind of disappeared uh-huh. and then refereed and um, and I remember there was a few of the lad- lads in that group who didn't drink alcohol so I was like oh I'll have your free drink oh yeah because <laughs> you know, like, what's the point of getting yeah, yeah, your free waste drink it. for yeah, yeah. water or whatever because uh-huh. like, it's obviously cheaper to get to buy the water or coke sure. or so, um, so yeah I remember that um, yeah Okay. So that was my first experience. Uh, oh, I got a great one for my second experience. We were, went back to Italy. So, like, it kind of snowballed from there was me and James went the first time and then, obviously, Birchall, I think, was making a bit of a steam in the FWA at the time. So me and Paul went out the second time. Oh, was James fuming? No, I don't think so because maybe they, they, they ran quite a lot of shows at the time. This is where they started to actually... They did, like, a real show. And I remember it was at the top of a mountain. But I want to say... Let's say if it was, like... A thousand seater. It was like eight hundred people. It was like really, really busy, and that's uh, that's where this memory, why this topic's come up, was because someone reposted the poster from that event, which I think is on my Instagram. I'll see if I can uh, find out where it was. But the funniest part of that trip, which really was like um, eye opening, it's in uh, I was about to say Gennaro, but I think that's the uh, that's January. Venardi, maybe that's the day. Barizo, Basio. Palazport de Basio in Lecco. That sounds about right. So anyway, I'm exposing myself to not learning any Italian. And uh, the funniest part of that bit, that whole trip was, uh, I can remember just stood, stood around this big venue. It was almost like a WWE-sized venue. Do you know what I mean? It's like we'd wrestled in big venues for like Brian Dixon. and Oh, maybe I hadn't done any. I don't think I'd done Croydon yet for Dixon, but I'd done some other shows for Scott Conway. Big venue. And all of a sudden, to the right of us, just out the corner of our eye, we see uh, one of the wrestlers having a punch-up with the commentator. <laughs> like, and I mean a full-on punch-up. Like, fists were flying. Like, n- I'm not one of these guys. You don't see these videos on YouTube. Uh, sorry, on Facebook. People share them. And they say, uh, people comment, oh, if that was me, oh, these two can't fight their way out of a paper bag. You know, when you see, like, these vi- Facebook, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? But, like, these two couldn't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was, like, arms and legs going everywhere. And basically, what it was over was this uh, announcer, who I want to say now works for... So his thing was always like he worked for WWE, but I think he actually works for a TV station. Yeah. But uh, when we were at Dallas, he was one of the commentators. I think he's one of the, he gets flown in for like the big shows. Yeah, by the TV station. Yeah, yeah but, but I assume by the TV station. But like, you know, they always do the, the, spanner, the, the, yeah, the Spanish the, announce team, Italian announce team. Yes. So I want to say, uh, Michele Poser, his name is, so look out for him. I want to say it was him, and he'd written something 
Larry about one of the wrestlers on a fan forum. And the wrestler then challenged him about it, and they end up having a real life fight about <laughs> it, which is hilarious, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not surprised. How would he survive in a world of Twitter? <laughs> yeah, totally. So you know, like you hear all these stories, or um, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, so and so slagged you off," and so and so said this, so and so said that. Maybe not on a forum or whatever, but no one ever challenges each other about it. But these Italians were fiery, <laughs> <laughs> fiery <laughs> yeah, Italian, full on punch up. Yeah, so so. That was really Who won? I can't remember. I think it was all the wrestlers. Like, all, all these... I say this with love, right? All these guys who wrestle, like, every three months. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, at the time, they love the drama. Like, they kind of want it to be breaking news on Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer. You know, like, because when Ric Flair... And I only really know about this because they talk about on Bischoff's podcast. When Ric Flair got in a punch-up with Bischoff, right, at a Raw. Do you remember this? No. Yeah, so, like, when Bischoff had joined WWE... I, again, I know the full story because of this podcast... Like, I assume it was probably everywhere, all over the Rajar.coms and Dave, you know, Wrestling Observer Newsletters.coms. It's kind of like they wanted, they were more interested in that kind of notoriety than actually being wrestlers. Yeah. They loved the the backstage gossip. They loved wrestlers having heat with each other. I can remember there was a lady, a lady wrestler from England who was who used to come right down the FWA school. And I swear, every time you'd see her, she'd come up to go, do I have heat with you? And I'll be like, are you for real? We're like 18 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not in. We we're, we're on the very very fringe of this wrestling business. Please don't talk to me like, you know, like there's some sort of insider terminology. So that's actually what I think that really was was probably like them st- them probably drumming this up in their head. A bit like what you want to say I do sometimes, where you kind of build this narrative in your head, and then it, it and then somehow it explodes. Yeah. So yeah, but either way, it was very very funny. And there was um, I think probably my uh, my uh, one of my favourite. Uh, times in Italy was me and Avon went over in like April 2006 and again right around this time um, Italy was going through a bit of a wrestling boom so like they, they were they were booking big arenas like they were probably like inside football inside football so like basketball no but they were bigger than that like they were quite basketball stadiums are big yeah okay so maybe like you know the one OTT runs I've wrestled there yeah, for the Irish stadium. whip probably that yeah. sort of size so maybe a couple of thousand but they'd sell them out right but uh, there was one time me and Eamon went over there. We were Spud, actually. Spud was on this trip. And like when we we all got really told off by the uh, flight attendant for talking throughout the... Um, safety. The safety instructions, which is fair enough. Uh, so anyway, this guy, he wrestled a cybernic machine. Okay. Sounds like a hell of a... But, but he looked great. He kind of looked like... Um, if you've seen the film 8mm, there's a guy in there called Machine, actually. And uh, he wears like a big leather gimp mask and he's kind of like the murderer in it. And anyway, cybernic machine. It was April 2006. It was boiling hot. It was a day of WrestleMania. Uh, 22, I think it would be. And then the following day, obviously, we're flying home. Cybernic Machine gets in the car. Boiling hot day. Wears that mask all the way to the airport. And I'm talking two or three hour drive. <laughs> all the way to the airport. For like kayfabe, you know? But, did you... but the moment he gets to the airport, he's obviously got to take this mask off. Yeah. He's just kind of like me and Avon and we're like silly childish, like nudging each other. Being like, you've got to appreciate the man's effort. But come on, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, for the simple fact that when you get out of this car and go into an airport, you can't walk in there with a mask on. Yeah. So you're going to have to take your... And he did, so, and uh... he did, and he did. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He just the moment he got out of the car, took it off. Yeah, so like it's all well and good. Like people say about Kendo Nagasaki would keep it on for five miles outside of the town. Fair enough. You know, I assume he probably had a driver. But like for three, two, three hours, like a long, long drive in boiling hot sun in a leather mask yeah. just seemed a bit much. Um so, in terms but for his own sake, not for mine. Do you so know what I mean? Like, in terms of keeping with K Vabe and European adventures, um, 
There was a wrestler called Big Vito, the toughest man to wear a dress. And uh, Big Vito, he lived uh, the gimmick. He's from another. He's from another uh, generation. Yeah, he's cut from a different cloth. Absolutely, it's <laughs> a man to be admired, respected, and uh, feared. Definitely feared. Yeah, and he took his gimmick uh, very seriously, as what you've heard in a previous podcast about you not respecting the address. That's not our release podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, did we put that out? I can't remember. We did a whole episode on Big Vito, didn't we? We didn't release it. No. So, uh, as one day we were told the story of you get in trouble if you do not respect the dress. Uh, Yeah. Uh, His his words were acknowledge the dress. Acknowledge the dress. Acknowledge the dress. And on this particular day, or many particular days, so Big Vito, uh, he... And again, it was interesting because there was no real rhyme or reason, but Vito used to dress in a... Uh, so I guess evening dresses uh, when he went to the airport. So, uh, so he would have um, he would wear like headscarf, an elegant dress, high heels, a, high heels, maybe a piece of fur, yeah, <laughs> around his neck. And, uh, and I'm all for it, go for it, whatever. But the the best thing was his reaction as he was walking through the airport. So people would, and like, bearing in mind, Big Vito's a big guy. It's not mm-hmm. like uh, a small guy walking through the airport in a dress. And as well, this wasn't a day when this, again, I, I see stuff all the time about how stuff has aged badly. The latest one I was looking at was Ace, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. Um, you know where the eye horn is, Finkel, Finkel is eye horn. Yes. I kissed a man. I'm amazed you've even seen it. What do you mean? I used to watch... Well, you just don't watch... You're not a movie guy. No, but so. I was when I was younger. Okay. Like, I've not been a movie yeah. guy since... I, uh... So, I first got that film when I was, like, 10 on VHS, and I and I think it took me to watch it again until I was 25 to understand what happens in the opening scene. Wow. You know, and she, she's like, oh, I haven't got any money to pay you for the dog. And, of course, she gives him the time of his life. Remember that scene? He's, like, no, holding... He grabs the ceiling. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um, but anyway, so stuff ages badly with with time, yeah, and friends and stuff like that. So remember, he at this time was uh, y- you very very rarely saw men dressed up as women, and he was not huge. so openly, yeah, yeah, not and mm. he was huge, and he was eyeballing everyone, <laughs> and it, and you said you travelled around Europe and obviously yeah. sunny, nice weather, yeah. The boys probably wearing shorts and Everyone's t-shirt. Wearing shorts, t-shirt, yeah, flip yeah. flops, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so we go through these airports, and as well, just to uh, explain, many of the shows we did would have to go, uh, would have to fly from. So it wouldn't just be like, um, you know, you'd go from town to town. Sometimes you'd fly from one part of Spain to another part of Spain. So there's quite a lot of aeroplane times and quite a lot of airport times. And Vito would walk through the airport in this dress, and people would be giving him funny looks. And Big Vito would be, uh, excuse my French here, but Big Vito would be like scowling and talking under his breath, but so everyone could hear him. Look at that guy, fucking pervert, <laughs> pervert, staring at me. Look at him, you know. And just yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that was kind of. And I wonder whether whether those European countries, whether they were, you know, are England or is England um, sort of behind with the times of the acceptance of? Who knows? You know. Uh, but I, but I can tell you, to- like, but I don't even, I don't necessarily think that they people were even really looking at him. No, okay. <laughs> like, I think it was just his way of dealing with it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. 
Look at that guy. Pervert. And staring at me. Do you think pervert. anyone put him up to it? Or do you think it was just his no, own? No, I definitely 100% on him. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> again, like, uh, so he used to, I don't know if you how much you remember of a gimmick, but he used to wrestle in a thong, right? Um, he came to England and he did like a first day with Brian Dixon wearing his thong. Obviously, he's flapping the dress around with the thong on. On the camps, and, uh, yeah, probably. Like instantly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, on the camps, yeah. And then instantly, Brian's, I can't do the impression, but he mm-hmm. made him get some uh, some knickers. So he started wearing French panties from that point on. <laughs> Which was way better. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the thong, the, the thong was a bit explicit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so, yeah, so, but uh, again, like, to me, when we talk about Europe and we talk about uh, the the European adventures, um, and I and I was only doing it for a limited amount of time. I was very fortunate in the sense of um, I got that NWE gig, so I was able to do more than most in a very short amount of time. Um, I did other stuff as well, um, and like we talked about, um, you know, with Germany, I did some Portugal shows. We did uh, the first. Like they were, I guess. TNA house shows they were classed as but um, it was Kurt Angle's first shows after leaving WWE so he'd done two matches with Samoa Joe already and then he was doing his they were building up for the pay-per-view but they did two matches on this show and the idea was they're going to split one and one yeah one win each Kurt Angle won the first night and then the second night they were I thought that Kurt Angle was going uh, thought Samoa Joe was going over and then and I think it was like from his submission, his ankle lock, coquina clutch. Oh, Smojo, Smo right? Over. Okay, sorry. So uh, either that or the muscle buster, I can't remember. But whatever it was, like it didn't happen, and they reverse. They did whatever they were going to do, and then Angle got the ankle lock on, and Joe tapped out, and I was like, ring the bell. And uh, afterwards, I was. I remember walking to the back, thinking, have I just messed this up? <laughs> and I was thinking I was yeah. going to get bollocked by uh, Kurt Angle, but uh-huh. like. Uh, but then that was another valuable lesson I learned about two old pros, uh, uh, you know, especially in Angle's situation. Sure. Just reading the crowd. And they were just like, we, they assumed, because at the time, if you remember, like um, the, with TNA, it was, let's go Angle, let's go Joe, let's go Angle, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. 50-50 split, essentially, even though Kurt Angle was by far the biggest star and perhaps the biggest superstar in wrestling at that time. Um Certainly in the top five. Yeah, well, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, undoubtedly and, top five. Um, and, but the TNA fans were very, the fans that went to go to watch their regular shows, because obviously it was the same place all the time, I guess they were smart fans, smart to the product, and they, they saw Samoa Joe as a superstar, which is all credit to TNA for, which I think TNA doesn't get enough credit for, but that's another story for another day, is so they did do a good job in building some guys. Obviously, they took the momentum they had from Ring of Honor, to 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 do that, but they were able to establish them as their own guys and get a good buzz about them. Um, but anyway, on this house sh- on this show in particular, it was more like a house show crowd with a WWE audience. Um, so, and there were like the Dudley Boys were on the show, um, Christian was on the show, uh, DX. Uh, you had Billy Gunn and Road, Road Dog, Dog were on the yeah, show, yeah, the VKM, whatever they were called, the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Yeah. Um, so you you had a very strong WWE presence on the shows um, and they basically just read that this is essentially a WWE house show crowd Samoa Joe's getting a big heel reaction they're not split down the middle so let's just send them home happy of course um, yeah well it makes it makes absolutely perfect yeah. sense because they it, yeah. and they've read the audience to get to that conclusion um, and uh, but obviously I 
was just scared that oh my god, what if I've just made yeah. this mistake and I'm going to get blackballed forever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that I, you've I, killed all the teenage long-term I, booking plans yeah, in one right. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Angle's like four and one up on, or three and <laughs> yeah. one up on him. There's no need to run the pay-per-view. No. Um, <laughs> all on your foot. Poor, but, uh, um, fault. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we. I digress. I was talking about um, the, the, the the great thing about these foreign tours, which is weird because you never really got it in England as much. And I think it's because in England there wasn't as much money being thrown around. The great thing about the foreign tours was you just had such a diverse and weird and wacky crew of wrestlers. Yeah. So like I mentioned, so even like so even when I mentioned about WXW earlier, I mentioned about Salvatore Belomo, like just knocking around. Sure. Right? But like um, the first uh, the NWE. The first big NWE, because we obviously we did one in Italy together where we had Romeo Rosselli on it and Aaron Aguilera, Aaron Aguilera, Jesus from WWE, like Carlito's bodyguard, the one that stabbed John Cena, right? Like for four shows. But how obscure is that anyway? Do you know what I mean? Like like, only in these foreign tours would you get that. Very rarely in England did you get guys like that. No, you'd get them, but like they wouldn't be treated as stars do you know what I mean it wasn't like so in NWE it was like if you've been on WWE for four four consecutive Smackdowns you're a superstar because I can remember um, one of the Highlanders coming over to work for Dixon I never worked any shows with him but Dixon had said to him no one really knows who the Highlanders are go on be something else go on uh, you know no one really knows the Highlanders so you can be Steve McQueen <laughs> do you know what I mean like this, this, that but the Highlanders are still a way bigger gimmick than than, than Jesus, yeah. you know. Um, but I imagine if if one of the, this Highlander um, was on an NWE tour, he'd have been put in the superstar changing room. Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, um, and uh, don't get me wrong, he had a far better run in WWE than I did, and many many other the British wrestlers. Well, I thought you were a WWE UK superstar according to the Premier Promotions hotline. Yeah, I had to set him straight. So, uh, so yeah. Um, d- d- yeah, my point is, if you if you'd been on WWE in in their eyes, it was and it's almost so it's almost like five thousand dollars so, match. So, so they were almost too much so. Yeah, and UK was almost not enough so. Like, yeah, but well, sense of like right. WWE was almost looked down upon mm-hmm. by because it was still the that, those days like it was we it was coming out of that in yeah. terms of like you know you had your new crew of guys who were more open minded, you know like I think. Guys like uh, Dean Allmark, maybe was you know he was probably one of the first you know in that wave of guys to become to be like you know I do actually watch his WWE <laughs> yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah but he yeah but I imagine he played along for a very long time mm-hmm. until he got to the stage where oh sure he could be like that yeah um yeah. but like uh, so you're saying in England guys in England, weren't tr- weren't appreciated enough yeah because like if I'd met if I'd Robbie McAllister on a show I'd be like oh shit you're in the Highlanders yeah you know but I, mean? I think like, but I think you work pay-per-views yeah you know? but you I think in those days it'd be like oh so you work that fake stuff did you you yeah. work that American WWF. style don't, yeah WWF yeah. yeah what what show you on what show is it you're on Mania <laughs> yeah yeah like, mm. like Smackdown Smack what yeah yeah undoubtedly but like uh, yeah it's not like that anymore yeah. no um but I so I think like almost if we'd had a meeting in the middle in those days, I think probably there would have been a better, uh, I don't know, mm. a better time for the former WWE stars in the UK. Yeah. Um, so. And then you had the other dynamic of people who were like thought they should have been treated better than they really were, 
and had a chip on their shoulder because of it. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> there was many people. Like it was just like just a confusing mess of Wasn't it? egos yeah. and personalities yeah. and because we'd gone from the one PW days and when it was like they had their own, despite it being the smallest room to ch- choose from, they all sat in that one tiny closet to get changed in, like they were yeah. big leagueiness. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah so. Um, so. Um, uh, yeah, but the point I guess I was making was like just a, such a weird and diverse array of uh, characters. So like, uh, I on a uh, I just always remember that one of the first NWE shows I, did, I was at a dinner table, and I think on the dinner table you had um, I was sat opposite Savio Vega because I remember I got just such a huge kick out of being opposite me. Savio yeah. Vega. I thought you might have talked about right. this maybe, but. Um, or maybe we have, but yeah. maybe you're just listening to, to this for again. the first time. So yeah. you had Savio Vega, you had, um, there was Gangrel, there was, I was trying to think who was on my table. Um, Did you just end up on that table? Does everyone have a name? No, so, so like you had the, the top table had kind of Rikishi on it. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I had like Chris Masters. There was, I, I don't know. Like Black there was Pearl, a real probably. Black Pearl was there, yeah. Um, but there was like a real... It, it was real surreal, uh, that show. We had BB, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who they all called Mum. Nan. No, they all called Nan. Nan, BB. And then you had like a uh, Mexican midget. I don't know. Like uh, a small person. Little person. Um, and I think they, they used to call him something like Miguelito or something like that, right? I think that's just Spanish for midget. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it might be, yeah. And uh, it was probably El Torito, was it? Or something uh, like that? I don't know. Yeah. He used to dress. He used to dress up. He had like an Ultimo Dragon costume. He used to dress up as Ultimo Dragon. Oh right, okay. So he had like a. So the shows used to. St- so when NWE got actually good, when I say good, like they had a house show down, mm-hmm. where essentially they did the same show every night. Then any time they changed even a slightest bit of it, it all went to hell. <laughs> yeah. Right. But when they when NWE got good, you had a wrestler called O'Hara who's a Japanese wrestler. Um, I'm not sure if he ever went on to Who went on to anything. become Tenzai. Because he might have, he might have uh, gone on to become something, but because like there, there are guys who did. So, for example, Okada was on some of those tours. And uh, so you, you never really knew where they, you know, who they, what they went on to become, you know. And, uh, and... Is that common knowledge? Is it Okada was on those tours? Uh, I think so, yeah. But I just remember, like, when we did the Uprising show, I didn't even realise. Like, I did realise, but I didn't. This first time you used Okada? Um, so the first time I used Okada, Rikishi was also on the show. Yeah. And I think Rikishi was amazed that he'd... Rikishi probably didn't even know what he was doing no. in Japan. No. Uh, no, because... And, and Okada Kate broke through through uh, originally with Ultimo Dragon yeah. in Mexico. Oh, I see. So, okay. that, so that's kind of where that kind of link came from Ultimo Dragon used to bring guys over so Ultimo brought Dragon Ball over Supernova do you remember him yeah of course yeah, I yeah Supernova yeah. Um, and O'Hara was one of his guys um, there was a couple of others as well um, but O'Hara and Supernova basically became the the two guys which were brought back every every tour yeah um, and Supernova he's now Bengala in Triple yeah, yeah that's true um, but O'Hara was super good and the show used to start off with um, the the little guy uh, coming out and uh, 
and he would welcome everyone because he's Mexican, so he could speak in Spanish. He'd welcome everyone to the show. O'Hara would come out, slag off all the people, and then essentially throw the little guy. And uh, then Supernova or Ultimo Dragon, normally Supernova, would come out and make the save. They'd have a lovely little match to open the show. And, that's yeah. it. and then like he'd then cut a, sp- a promo. Um, then Supernova would cut a promo in Spanish again, welcoming everyone to the show. Okay, and that's how, and that's when NWE sides have a bit of rhythm about their mm-hmm. their house shows. Um, Sounds like a good presentation, to, yeah. Yeah, opposed to some of the early stuff, um, but all kinds of characters. Um, and there was, a, and I guess where we got to the little guy, there was Trent Acid under a table throwing breadsticks. Uh, the little guy right. and then hiding underneath the table I was like this is so hor- surreal and then all of a sudden Booker T walks in like larger than life and like uh, he's just like just beaming uh-huh. <laughs> like and uh, and they were saying like hey Book you know do you want to come and have some food and he's just like oh, I just got a Burger King I missed home yeah. <laughs> and like laughing they've but what did he say about the golf course or something they've been, been there for half an hour and the golf course he'd be like a uh, something like, a, I'll be home in 11 hours on the golf course in 12. <laughs> I've got myself a new free wood. If that's what it was, I don't know <laughs> what is. Uh, Sounds about right. What is new, know, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just all these huge personalities. And like my biggest regret from those days on those European tours is not getting any pictures. So like, mm-hmm. it seems like I'm lying about all this stuff, but I have pictures of myself refereeing and in the ring with these guys. But I just don't have my pictures of myself stood next to those guys yeah, yeah. like smiling M-Dog um, always did didn't he yeah he did yeah but I, like I said like I was so I was so from that British culture of mm-hmm. oh you're not allowed to mark. take pictures yeah. which really who's the real mark yeah yeah me yeah. for not having the but pictures not doing taken it. Yeah, yeah, of you know um, so that's a big regret and that's something that I've learned from and you know something I always do now I make sure I get pictures with uh, yeah with with you know, the people I meet and people I've looked up to and, mm-hmm. and that's why you're gonna be everyone's gonna be buzzing to see my WrestleCon album because it's gonna have some it's gonna be packed some cracking pictures. Yeah, I think I might um, join in this year. Uh so uh so yeah, so that was just crazy. You took for granted all these all these great names and crazy names you'd you'd see on these these tours, um, plucked from obscurity. And also something else you took for granted and I and I <laughs> I look back now and I just laugh and think how ridiculous I was. Um, so I never even used to bother learning where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, uh, it was never questioned. Many of the tours we did, you'd fly. It didn't matter where you were uh, flying to. So if a show was in Barcelona, if a show was in... I don't know any parts of Spain. This is so my ignorance, right? And kind of illustrates the point I'm going to make. Um, but you'd always fly into Madrid. So you'd do a two-hour flight to Madrid and then fly elsewhere. Okay. So, like, even if you could just just flown direct to Barcelona, like, and, but anyone who knew the NWE office would know how ludicrous NWE <laughs> was. They'd always do a changeover in Madrid. Yeah. So, like, and Madrid's like a massive airport, so you'd always have to do that changeover regardless of where you were flying to. So and it's, it's things like that, you know, which might well have just tipped it over the edge, and that's why it's not around anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. All those extra, extra yeah. expenses, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or they, or they were saving themselves in their heads. They were saving themselves like 50 euros on the flight by doing an indirect flight, but then they were costing themselves more money in, I don't know, like uh, having to pick no, people up from. Yeah. Yeah, hotels, picking people up from random places, whatever you mm-hmm. know, um, baggage, whatever. I don't know, but. Um, but yeah, I never used to, pardon me, I never used to learn where I was flying to. I just used to look at the airline. And you know, uh, <laughs> I always remember, Peter, like, you know when 
you, you're going to check in at uh, airlines and say you're going Flybe or British Airways or whatever, and you've got a member of staff there, and they're like, and where are you flying to? I'll like, oh, go to this one, or go, go to this one. But like, where are you flying to? And I'd literally laugh, yeah. and be like, I don't know. <laughs> Just, like, yeah. just you just go and you give them your passport and they, like do you know what I mean yeah, and they, just, yeah, yeah. they give you a ticket with a gate number mm-hmm. and I think part of me in my head was doing it as like, almost like a badge of honour like you know I'm travelling the world doing this yeah, wrestling yeah. stuff and part of me was just so like I can't like I was just so young and just naive and like I didn't take advantage of these situations I didn't look at well it's interesting isn't it because you probably fed the line this is gonna you're gonna get a you know you've said it well, yeah. you're gonna get a contract kid you're gonna a, do this forever a, kid like, you're getting a contract son that was one of the, the yeah. lines I got told by Rikishi before he gave me one of the, the warmest nicest hugs I've ever received and uh, that's a moment that's a moment I knew at that time it's so funny right because I remember sitting on the plane smiling like looking out the window and I was thinking to myself at this time I was like this is a story I'm gonna go back to retell Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't realise it was going to be because the the, the <laughs> line was full of <laughs> full of shit. Yeah. But like, uh, but yeah, like, have you have you seen the ratings? Mm. No, you're getting the contract, son. Hug. Oh. And then I sat on the plane, going back to my real job, looking out the window, thinking, couldn't wait to quit, could you? Yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah, nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. But I took everything for granted. Like you say, like you probably thought that these days would go on forever. But again, the older me, um, so you'd go to all these places. I, I never even bothered looking. I never even bothered typing into Google, you know, things to do in Madrid, things to do in Barcelona, things to do in wherever. Yeah. Like sites to see, things to do. None of that stuff ever even crossed my mind. And another example, um, we were in Paris um, and all the I've since been to the Eiffel Tower, but like, so, but there was a layover. So we did a. Sh- I can't remember the the way it happened, but we did a show. We wound up in Paris, and then the f- we had a night, a day, and night off in Paris. Then the following day, we had a show. We had to fly somewhere else for a show somewhere else, or get a coach somewhere else for a show somewhere else. But we were like in Paris, and uh, a load of the boys went to see. The Eiffel Tower, mm-hmm. right? As you would, yeah. As you would. I didn't, right? Do you know why? God, Because you got, as part of the contract, you got three square meals a day. So you got your breakfast, lunch, dinner, paid for by the company, right? And we, it would have meant, if we'd done it, I can't remember if it mean missing lunch and dinner, but definitely missing dinner, it would mean, right? And they said, well, listen... We've and like obviously, if you were on the road, you'd get the receipt for your your dinner or uh-huh. your lunch or whatever. If you were tr- if it was a travel day, but they were like, we've laid on. You're more than welcome to go to the Eiffel Tower. We'll send a, someone out to direct you and whatever. Um, but if you go, then you you're responsible for your own dinner, right? Because we've paid for dinner at the hotel. Mm-hmm. So the most most of the time, so sometimes you'd go to specific restaurants or whatever as a, as a big group, but if you're staying in hotels, a lot of the time you'd have your breakfast lunch dinner at the hotel to make it easier. Sometimes if you were there for a few days you'd do breakfast lunch at the hotel dinner, you'd go out to a restaurant, but it's always be organized by them and they were like we've organized this, so just so you know if you go out for dinner, you're going to have to buy your own dinner. Mm-hmm. Right? And it could be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for all I know going to the Eiffel Tower, especially going to the Eiffel Tower with all those guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, like a, a picture up the top of the Eiffel Tower with Rikishi as an mm-hmm. example. I don't know if he was there, but... Um, but, 
Yeah. And you and King Booker. And instead, yeah. <laughs> but instead, yeah. I stayed at the hotel because I didn't want to pay for, for dinner, mm-hmm. right? Because... You could have got like a chocolate pancake for like three euros. Uh, probably, <laughs> that yeah. That you up. Yeah. And like I say, I've been to the Eiffel Tower since then, but I look back at times like that and I'm just like, oh, why didn't I just make the most out of all these opportunities? I took it all for granted. Yeah. And it was gone just as quick as it came, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, but it was even, even to the extent of like, so Spain died out, then, uh, then France came along. And then they're like, oh, we're going to do a tour of Germany. We're going to do a tour. And like, but then that, that got cancelled. But then France came back. I mean, Italy came back. And it, like, you know, so all of this stuff was coming, going, and you always kind of took it for granted. But then ultimately it went. Yeah. And if I could look, look back with a, a wiser head on my shoulders, I'd definitely make the most out of it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a, you know, a lesson for anyone listening who's who's got the opportunity to travel uh, and you know work shows in different parts of the world, and even wrestling fans. So if you're a wrestling fan that travels to, I don't know, I know a lot of fans went out to 16 karat gold. You know, see Germany while you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, make the most of uh, these times. Yeah, if you're going to be there, definitely. Yeah, you don't know how yeah. long it's going to last. And I, I used to always almost make a joke out of the fact, and 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 kind of again, I say it, I say it. Um, because I think this is sort of the best way to term it. I used to almost take pride in the fact that when someone asked, "Oh, did you see much of Malta?" I could be. I actually saw a lot of Malta, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah. But like, but you know, did you see? Did you see yeah. some of this? Um, you know, I could be like, "No, I literally only saw a hotel room in the arena where the show was." I used yeah. to kind of take pride in that. You know, workmanlike. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's probably because you'd read. The Hardy Boys, probably, probably yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Life on the Road, brother. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of pathetic when I think back about it, you <laughs> yeah. know. But like that was, yeah. that was who I was in those days. But again, I think See, that's I, all the I tried. To see, well, I don't know. Sometimes I went. To see, I, I went to. The, I certainly went to the Eiffel Tower. So, you know, I remember late at night it was really nice and all lit up and everything. So, yeah, yeah. But it, I don't know. I just feel like it's all part of all a part of growing up, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So uh, learning lessons. So yeah. Good. Well, that's um, your biggest takeaway from this week. That is my biggest takeaway, yeah. I'm trying to think if I've got any other more Euro Euro stories. Um, you did find out some funny things, like uh, Heidenreich is actually crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, Snitsky really loves feet. Yeah. Two things that WWE really turned into big gimmicks, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, all kinds of things about mm-hmm. the quirks of the individuals, um, yeah. But ultimately, it was just, you know just a good, good times. Good experience. I, I look back at with a with a smile, but I kind of uh, yeah, a, somewhat of a missed opportunity. But not just from me, but from NWE as well. I'm sure they were thinking like, oh, this is going to last forever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. They thought, oh, never mind. Andy, Andy can go to the Eiffel Tower next time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah, but there wasn't one. So, uh, yeah, that too. I haven't really got anything to say. Like I said to you at the start, like I don't really have many quirky stories to tell, and I'm sure I do if I think about it. I think it, if you've given enough there, Andy. Hopefully, I've, hopefully, I've, hopefully I've given a fair, a fair account of myself. Yes. So, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up there for this week. Hope you, you enjoyed yourselves. Anything you want to plug? Uh, Ports of School of Wrestling. I can't remember. We, I think we plugged at the start of the episode. Did we? Plug we got again. a Dean AS manager seminar. We definitely start plugged it at the start of the episode. The Dean AS manager seminar. We yep. definitely, definitely did. Okay. That's uh, Friday the 22nd. 
22nd, Friday the 22nd, a week on Friday, yep. um, manager seminar at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, um, which I recommend anyone who wants to not just be a, uh, a wrestling manager, but anyone who, who kind of has a desire to have any kind of character in wrestling um, and anyone who wants to work behind the scenes or a, a, a role which isn't specifically a wrestler, I recommend you, you go along to it. Um, definitely will be able to give you some food for thought. Um, so that's happening on Friday, the 22nd of, of March. Um, other things to plug, uh, I guess just the regular... Your Twitter... At A. Well, Quilden. I was going to say the regular Revolution Pro Wrestling shows and shoprevpro.com and okay. rpwondemand.com and my Twitter at A. Quilden, A-Q-U-I-L-D-A-N. And at Boy Simmons, B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z and follow me on Instagram. You'll see a great yeah, picture not? of Andy you'll see a great eating picture, donuts. You'll see a great picture of Andy eating donuts. I've not touched a B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z, 1984. Don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I've, I've learned how Instagram works now. So my stepson Finley loves Jurassic Park. So we found a YouTube channel where they were like talking about the toys. And he doesn't really play with toys. He just likes collecting toys. So like he's got a massive array of obviously the most expensive Jurassic Park. You can buy a dinosaur, a T-Rex in any toy shop for a fiver. But he's got to have done with Jurassic Park on the side for 25 quid or whatever. Fair enough. So, well, yeah. That's how I'd have been as a kid when it came to the wrestlers. So anyway... Uh, Do you have these Poundland figures? Yeah, no, no thanks. Rather not. <coughs> so anyway, uh, my point is I started following this Instagram account of these Jurassic Park toys. And I think within a day I had about 10 or 12 other Jurassic Park themed Instagram accounts follow me back. So Well done. So what you're saying is you need to be more active to... Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. But I kind of realised that if you follow some, something... Other people, I mean, I'm, I, I'm under no illusions. They're probably short-term follows, but um, yeah. It's nice for the n- nice numbers to massage the ego a little bit. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. Be sure to check out portsmouthwrestling.com for all manner of things at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling as well. Absolutely. We'll speak to you again after a little while. Later. Right. Goodbye. <laughs>